Welcome to another episode of the Creedcast Void. Um, you know, these have been very slow in the making, um, you know, so don't expect them to release weekly. However, this week we got another one, uh, slowly, bit by bit. Uh, but yeah, um, this is a, a different way of doing it. But today I have to kind of give a brief introduction because this conversation just started off from the get-go, um, probably... As interviewers, we didn't get to ask as much questions as we wanted. However, we will um, have him back on eventually. Um, and yeah, basically today we have David McMillan on, uh, a smuggler, a drug smuggler who worked for 40 years. Now he's no longer a drug smuggler. Um, you're going to hear some crazy stories. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be in for a ride. And yeah, he's basically the only Westerner to escape from Bangkok's uh, one of Bangkok's maximum security prisons and yeah that's that's basically all the introduction I can give um, as I mentioned it'll be a bit loose and it's kind of just going to be as if we were at a cafe talking because we were just so invested that we kind of <laughs> lost track of asking questions and, and whatnot so yeah enjoy I can see another face kicking around huh? <laughs> It looks Mariano or something like that, I think. Uh, he's just, oh, he, he's left. <laughs> he, perhaps he's, the, he's a disappeared person, perhaps. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> it was a quick Yeah, that's a quick kidnapping I've ever seen. I don't know whether we can raise much of a ransom, but getting back to that, wouldn't this be, I mean, I've had experience in... Um, uh, Colombia and Pakistan, India, Afghanistan. Uh, I found that when people disappeared, it, the drug connection was um, sometimes there in case they were dead, but mostly it was uh, a kidnapping where um, there'd be demands made for some money. So it's just a, a criminal organization kind of or gang even. Yeah. They didn't have to be very big or well organized. They just have to be nasty and they, they grab the people. And um, what would sometimes happen, or often, if they didn't get the money they were expecting, they would sell them on. As, Look, you know, we have this person, you know, where we haven't got time to mess around. You know, yeah. yeah. But we'll sell them to you and, and take a reduced fee. And the. Every time if you were kidnapped and you got sold on, it would get worse because the people who would take you would be not any less impatient than the other ones. Yeah. So that they would be putting a lot of pressure on as well. So I don't know. Um, I, I think the, the problem with the war on drugs, amongst many things, is that it's um, like any prohibition, it, it's created a a living and an income for a bunch of people that uh, otherwise would be selling stolen cigarettes or uh, yeah and and because they're already deep in having both feet into a, a ruthless world a bit of kidnapping yeah. doesn't bother them if there's nothing yeah, exactly. to so it is oh you're back again <laughs> yeah can you Sorry. hear me? yeah yeah can, can you hear me yeah, I yes. can. I can. Oh, okay. Uh, great to meet you. Sorry. Uh, it's just that oh. my, my audio wasn't working, so I had to tech it up. Oh, so it's yes. okay. 
That's fine. That's fine. Oh, you're quite organized here. I see you're not in the same room by any means. And uh, I don't know, uh, you must be across town, are you? Yeah, basically. And if it's any like any big city that I know, it's simply if you if everybody went to meet each other face to face, then most of your time would be in the front or back seat of a car. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you, you might as well get some big limousine and convert it into a studio because you're never really going to just <laughs> pick up anybody who looks interesting on the street and do your <laughs> interviews that way. So I. Rodrigo was telling me that uh, you've been going about a year together on on this. Uh... Yeah, so far, yeah. We, Where did the name uh, oh, wow. come from? I, I love that question because the, the answer is never, uh, doesn't get easier to answer. Good. Uh, basically, we were just high, high school students that were bored in mid, the middle of class. So we started to uh do a kind of music group i Hi. would say and we were thinking up of, of a name and we thought of the beatles mm -hmm. so we were like oh we we need a similar uh bug theme ah, good mm. name and we said the creek the I crickets that's it's good and i think anyway somebody in the uh um spanish-speaking world had already Chosen uh, cockroaches, hadn't they? Uh, yeah, lots of things. So, uh, I, you know, I, why is it that cockroaches get such a bad name? I mean, I, I never understood. What is it that they do? It's just the fact they survive anything, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you're ready. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody really likes some bastard that just doesn't die. So, uh, a cockroach is going to be in for it. There used to be a cartoon years ago. I don't know whether you. Were, a couple of generations before uh it was the fabulous furry freak brothers and they were kind of some hippies that gotten bad but one of them was fat freddy and fat freddy had a cat and one of the sidebars to fat freddy's cat stories was the king of the cockroaches and uh, the king of the cockroaches was very famous for his solution to any problem was to send out a ten thousand more and uh, it didn't matter they got slaughtered. You know, there's always they actually might be related to uh, dear President Putin. How, how much? Um, how's that story, uh, the Ukraine thing, going in in Mexico? It's quite big here. Uh yeah, it's like in the public, it's like really big. But there is a whole thing with our government being supportive of Russia. Uh, it's some really weird ways. It's it's not going well, I would say, with the government. But the people are pretty, uh, like, it's present on their mind. A little mm. bit less now, since, like, a, pa a few months have passed. And the oh, right. perception isn't that well at retaining. Oh, no, it's terrible. In fact, I think they've done very well to sort of stay up in the public consciousness that way. Um, but uh, really, you kind of get the feeling that the news organizations are really hoping for something, you know, yeah. that has some more changes in it, especially now, because it does appear that this will drag on for uh, months, if not years. Um, and that, that gets hard to make it into um, such a um, publicly affecting story. Um, yeah. Breaking it, news story. 
if uh, so if i tuned into the uh, main channels in mexico city and the main evening news what would be the kind of things i'd be hearing this week Oof. i think the the main thing it depends on the channels but you know there's there's a lot of channels that are always constantly just talking about political debates uh on what's what the president said, what the president is going to do. Uh, oh, very, oh, that's very superficial. It is. It's, it's absolute dead end because uh, you're listening to a bunch of professional liars. Um, say, you know, so my grandson asked me, what, what, what do politicians do? I said, they, their only function is to get elected. That's it. And once they're elected, they want to stab everybody in the back in their own group to get to the top. Yeah. And once they're there, they just need to stay there. But what about, you know, uh, hospitals and schools? No, 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 no. That, that, that's, a, that's a different group. <laughs> they're like cockroaches, actually. Yeah, they are. They, they are. I mean, there's actually a really interesting book uh, called The Guide into Becoming a Dictator, which mm. uh, really compares the differences between an elected leader and a dictatorship. And it's not that different. Like no, all politicians just need their keys to power mm. to stay there. It just so happens that sometimes the key to getting power is also sometimes helping the a demographic. Oh, so, there's no way out of it. You've got to please somebody mm. sometimes. And, and of course, it always seemed to me that the obviously dictatorial people, and even Stalin or, or Saddam Hussein, I, you know, I'd, I'd be looking at the screen thinking, but wait a minute, just do what we do. You have two parties, two main groups, and then you, you change from time to time. I mean, you don't want to be king all the time. It's tiring. So you let the other side win, but it's really the same club. Yeah. And, you know, when the new guy comes in, you say, well, all right, look, um, that's... Uh, that's the drawer where we keep the money. Uh, this is where everything gets burnt and shredded and the secrets are kept. And uh, you can have my black book of girlfriends because, you know, it's time for me to change on that one. Uh, it really, and this illusion of uh, choice that people have goes on, you know, on and on and on. Um, and yet we... <clears throat> I don't know why the, I suppose, in another more cynical sense, that the TV channels, it's very cheap programming, isn't it? Just to have a bunch of talking heads come in yeah. and um, tell a lot of nonsense and hope people out there, I mean, especially given the problems of, of Mexico. And I mean, you know, Mexico City is, it must be, it's, how many people live there now? Over 20 million, is it? Uh, I'm not sure. Let me look that up no. yeah well but i think it would be um mm. but just this to run that kind of municipality and to get the rubbish collected and you know keep the electricity on and the water that would be enough of a challenge and i suppose really those things that are what actually concern people in their yeah, daily yeah. lives the um, i mean water is not doing good though uh, like the the position of, of Mexico, 
Mm-hmm. Like we don't have like an actual way of getting water, so it kind of be like exported from uh, side sides of the country. Like this, the city itself, it's really? running out of water. Mm. Well, uh, where's uh, there's no um, big dams full of, or, or lakes that have got lots of water they can pump out or anything? No, uh, not not in the city. Oh right, and and anyway, isn't it correct that Mexico City is actually below sea level it's um, yeah quite low down so um on the one hand if there was any water that's where it would come but uh, there's never enough to you know fill and the groundwater must be uh, what pumped out a long time ago wouldn't it I mean, yeah yeah <laughs> dries when, the, uh, when the conquest happened they they basically mexico city used to be a a lake like the, the, it was a massive lake and it really? was all built over it by the Spanish, so now all that water has been just layered over with buildings yeah. and cement, and probably pumped out by now. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, you're saying that in time to come, the whole of the city might somehow crumble in under this empty cavern where the water once was. Oh. It's actually sinking. Yeah, like it's actually the, sinking. The, the city is, it? is sinking. Yeah. Ah, I it's uh. A lot of people say there's going to be water wars in in the future. Uh, oh, definitely. Imagine that. Uh, there sort of are anyway, because from time to time you hear, even in countries that don't, you know, well, they don't report much trouble, there'll be two small towns in China you know, really fighting it out over uh, the water supply. Or, uh, yeah. and, and this is a place where the people don't get any choice in anything. So. You know, they must be pretty desperate to yeah. start fighting over that. Um, and everything else is very expensive. Desalinization plants are very expensive. And, and and you end up with a lot of salty water you can't use for anything. But um, so, um, what I was going to say, Mariano, uh, Rodrigo is going to the United States next year. Uh, I think it is next year or September, maybe. Um, and what's your plan for the future? Well, I'm actually learning German right now because I have a plan to go to Germany uh, to study just university in general, study biochem. Okay, well, that's a good field. And yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the general plan is to get outside of Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. like however means possible. But I'm actually <laughs> taking, yeah, I'm taking a year off. Right. And I'm taking like a leap year just to collect myself, work, uh, get like be ex- entirely sure of what i want to study and be entirely sure of where i want to study but the plan is as far as right now germany well good luck in getting to be entirely sure of anything in just one year but uh <laughs> i i suppose uh, what made you decide on germany why out of all the european countries or even the us why there uh, well first uh, some connections okay. uh, so uh, it's a pretty cool place. Like it, I love mm. the architecture, the, the the community, and just I, I don't know how the universities, especially, um, they are mostly free. Like you yeah, pay yeah. no tuitions. It's just and German people pay. are very nice yeah. too, aren't they? They're great people. Yeah. Uh, they. I mean, the the joke years and years ago was that they were over organized. 
you know, the, the idea, English people thought that, that German tourists have a, a guide who tells them where to run. And then at 10 o'clock, the guide would come out and say, okay, for the next one hour, we will be enjoying ourselves, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I always remember uh, this sort of um, German reserve was told to me as a joke by a friend who, who talked about a couple that had a child, an only child, and but after one year, two years, the little boy never spoke. They took him to a doctor, nothing wrong with him. Three years passed, four, five even, not a word, not a, not a sign. Didn't cry, didn't laugh, didn't anything. But he was clearly getting better at things, you know, he could seem to be even reading. So, And then one morning um, he came down to breakfast and they poured hot milk on his cornflakes. Oh, and he made a face, and he turned to them and said, I have to tell you, I do not like hot milk on my plate. <laughs> and they were astonished, you know. They, but you can talk, we, we thought there was something wrong with you. Um, five years, why didn't you ever speak before? The little boy turned to the parents and said, well, up until now, Everything was satisfactory. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that would be a German kid, wouldn't it? <laughs> so now, um, Rodrigo was telling me that he'd uh, come across me with um, a lead Bible interview, which was dealing with the escape from uh, the Bangkok prison, which was quite a few years ago now, from 1996, and was kind of essential because I was... Um, well, I, was, I wasn't going to be executed in two weeks, but I was going to be sentenced to death. And uh, it really concentrates your mind if you, you're facing a death penalty. So yeah. uh, things worked very well and luckily for me on the night because um, I really didn't know where I was. It was so big, it's huge. I looked it up the other day. You know, the, Now there's 22,000 people in that jail. Wow. It's like a, and it always was like a, a, a city inside itself. The, the mm -hmm. guards never lived very far away or around the edge. Uh, I mean, they, they used to sleep there at night when they're on duty, which was good for me. Uh, <laughs> but um, one of them was stirring during the night. But uh, he went back to bed after going and getting a drink or something. But, you know, the one thing I never accounted for properly, uh, this was a very elaborately planned thing. You know? I mean, I had 20 other schemes. They, they didn't work because they involved other people. Yes. And that all falls to pieces. In fact, if somebody had been with me that night, I would have been finished. Because you stop and argue things with you know, somebody. with. Um, but uh, if I'd had known how huge the place was, uh, I, I think it would have been, there was no Google Earth, so it would have been very off-putting. But yeah. uh, I kind of had an idea where the outside wall was. And and I had friends, and most of the people in there, they'd, uh, they'd burnt every bridge in their life. They had no friends left. They, the family they'd lost or betrayed in some way. And yeah. it was really the bottom for them. But... I had friends enough, for example, that um, one of the, a guy 
said that he, I gave him my photograph and I needed a false passport to get out. And he arranged that. Uh, well, he told me that he had and um, hid it in a place, an apartment. He gave me the key. Now, people will in life often promise you various things. Uh, but if the, the, once I did get out and once I got closer to that apartment, I started to think about it. Well, wait a minute. He would have had to somehow, he was Chinese. He had some good Chinatown connections. You'd have to get a passport and it couldn't be more than about kind of freshly stolen, no more than about a month because the there had to be an entry visa on the computer uh, for having come into the country for this person. And then they, yeah. so he would have needed people who had people at the airport to type that in. And the photo I'd given him needed an adjustment. And it was kind of elaborate. It was before sh Photoshop. So this meant taking a picture of a picture and fiddling around. And so many little details about it that had to be done. Um, stamps put in it with the right dates. I thought to myself, you know, would anybody actually go through with this? You know? um, and yet, I went to the apartment and I felt behind the mirror. Uh, and sure enough, there it was. I had a look at it. It wasn't quite as good as I'd hoped. <laughs> in fact, the hour I had on between the flight from Bangkok to Singapore, which uh, because one of my ATM cards didn't work, that was as far as I could get. Um, but... Uh, that gave me an hour to stare at this passport and find things wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> and there were kind of a lot, you know, it looked to me like a bit, the plastic was wrinkled in a couple of spots, you know, it wasn't great. Yeah. And even, and if I didn't like it very much, the, uh, on landing, the Singapore customs, uh, immigration man at his desk, he didn't like it very much either, I must say. He gave a funny book. And I saw him take it and slide his hand towards the ultraviolet light. And I knew from experience that in the British passports, there would have to be, when it went under that light, three pink little crowns would have to show up along the edges. And I thought, oh, I started praying to, you know, Confucius and all the Chinese gods. <laughs> and he slid it under and I was rewarded by not only my own life, because Singapore would have sent me back, but these perfect little three crowns in pink that were along the edge there. <laughs> uh, and that's true. I mean, you guys have got to ask yourself, uh, young as you are, if some unthinkable thing happened to you and you ended up in some shithole somewhere around the world, is there somebody you could call, apart from each other, of course, <laughs> to... Uh, the kind of person you can call at three o'clock in the morning and start to go into a long explanation. And the words that you hear interrupting you are, uh, Rodrigo, don't explain any further. Just tell me where I have to be and what I have to bring. <laughs> and those, that's all you really want, you know. Um, so that made a very big difference, um, having friends. Yeah. Of course... You know, you'd think I wouldn't have. Um, think I would have, having used up all my luck then, that I that I wouldn't push it uh, further. 
But one thing or another happened. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up in trouble in Pakistan. Worse, worse trouble. In, in Thailand, they just wanted to execute me by machine gun. No, okay. in, in Pakistan, it, oh, sure, it was the death penalty. But um, I remember saying to some kid after I was arrested in the airport, not with anything. That only makes it worse. Um, but uh, I said, what's it like with the police here? Oh, they torture. I don't know, this, this isn't good. I, well, what if what if you give them some money? And he thought hard about that. Oh, then just little torture. <laughs> I thought, this is going to be a tough negotiation, this one. And I went, they took me down to some dungeon. And when I went in, there was a big 24-volt truck battery sitting there with Click, click, alligator, <laughs> crickets <laughs> waiting. And that's not a good thing. You don't want to see that at any time <laughs> in your life. Um, so, and if that, that sounds strange. I did come across um, two, well, no, there, was, yeah, there was two Pakistanis, but there are originally three of these guys. And they were telling me a story, uh, a true story, um, about how they were saved by the Gulf War. They were in Saudi Arabia, had been caught with um, some heroin, I think, mm -hmm. and were facing execution. And it's quite quick there. I think the average time between arrest and execution is about 120 days. So not long. Yeah. At least you don't have to sit up nights worrying about it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were four days away from um, having their heads chopped off when the Gulf War broke out. And you might remember in Gulf War One, it was, or was it two? I think it might have been one. Um, uh, Iraq went into Kuwait. And so the United Nations all came in and uh, with the United States and kicked them out of Kuwait and chased them up back to town. And Saudi Arabia, of course, was another uh, monarchist, kingly sort of place. So they they liked the idea that the West would come and protect them. They never thought that was going to happen. So yeah. in gratitude, they released all the foreigners. So these guys... Uh, this guy said to me, yes, it was God and Saddam Hussein and George Bush who, who saved me my life. <laughs> now, hearing that story, you think, well, that's a bit of luck. You don't suppose. Uh... And where was I hearing the story? These same guys were up on another drug charge, again facing the death penalty. So, you know, how they say these heavy sentences stop people from doing things. Well, it, it it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't at all. I suppose because mostly smugglers are, are gamblers. Yeah. Uh, I, I get. I guess everybody. If you, you know, when you travel and you go to an airport. Uh, I don't know. Have either of you been to Asia in your travels? No, never. Uh, nope. Okay. <laughs> you say that like oh, I don't want to go there, um, but. Um, a lot of people who uh, heard of my um, escape back in those days said to me later on, well, you know, it's strange. Any time I've gone through Bangkok airport, I've sometimes looked around and thought to myself, 
I wonder if there's anybody here today crazy enough to be smuggling drugs. <laughs> and what would it be like for me? Would I do such a thing for money? Uh, mm. um, and I suppose it's just that people would like to know how it would be that they handle extreme situations like that. Yeah. yeah. Whether they get out of it. And also sometimes people... Now, the best couriers were... And, and I was really not as ruthless as I suppose it would have made sense to be. I, I wasn't like, I'd really worry about these people, because, not just because of the loss, but I, I knew if they made any decision, it would be the wrong one. Uh, and clever couriers were people you didn't want, because I have an idea. Yeah. Well, why did you go down there and get arrested? Well, it shouldn't have happened, but I thought it would be better if I did such and such. Now, they're terrible couriers. They're always, always good. The ones who are great are um, people who, are either, well, of course, they're gamblers by nature, but also fantasists. They can very easily live in a, a make-believe world. Um, and one of the best ones, you know, I, I watched him in the old Brussels airport. You could look over the railing and see people arrive. And he came with... I mean, I hadn't told him anything what to do, but he arrived and he was dressed in a kind of professional sports outfit, like, a, and he had a tennis racket, an expensive one. Yeah. I ought to know he had my American Express card and, and he didn't hesitate to buy the things necessary. For the job. <laughs> and I asked him what, what he was thinking. And he said, well, I imagine that I was an international, you know, Roger Federer type tennis player. And it came through. He was so confident that the customs officers looking on, they'd look right past him. They'd look at him and say, no, he's, he's part of the real world. I'm looking for somebody hiding, somebody shrinking themselves, not wanting to be seen. So there, there was a, a type of person who was very good at it and, and very rarely would have trouble. But I, I, I did uh, I did always say, look, um, I'm not going to tell you what it is that you're smuggling. Yeah. Uh, but let's just imagine that's the worst thing you can imagine. Uh, plutonium, maybe, or uh, powdered babies. Not that you can get those <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and so that was good. I didn't I didn't want them thinking about all of that. Um, you know, I think. Somebody, one of the guys got back and said to me, gee, uh, how much was I carrying? This must have been worth quite a bit of money. Well, that was the last job he ever had for me. I mean, as soon as he said that, I, I knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> and other people were really not suited to it. I, I had a school friend, uh, and we were quite close. It was like you two guys. But he looked on at a distance at, at my life, uh, he didn't want to get too close, but he, he did come to me and say, uh, look, uh, I, I need some money. I've got a thing I want to do. Everybody does. Um, well, how much would I, I, I get for, uh, what would I be smuggling? I said, Peter, it's better if you don't even think about that. Uh, I'll be taking care of your safety. Yeah. You always have the choice. If you get trouble, 
don't mention my name and I'll give you a cover story and Joe the taxi driver or whatever and uh, you, I'll do my best to bribe you out and if that fails I'll escape you out you know you, you'll get out um, but he he wasn't really he was he was just now the, the the rates I was paying were very high um, because yeah, these people are gamblers, right? They're going to blow their money. I wanted them to have enough so that it'd take them at least six months to blow all their money. You know, but they're very good at that sort of thing. They know how to, <laughs> they know how to spend it. Uh, so, and they know how to make sure they'll have nothing left. Um, but he, this school friend of mine, he, even though he was hearing something which would have been the equivalent today of, say, $200,000, mm-hmm. um, he seemed, he said to me, David, but I'm not a criminal. No, Peter. Well, you will be after this, but <laughs> no. No, but I mean, I'm not a bad person. You know, I, I'm a normal person. I, I've just decided to do this. Now, that's a weird thing, isn't it? I said, Peter, let me get this right. I should pay you a bit more or a lot more because you're a pure person. You're a virgin. <laughs> Somehow that's a better thing for me. I don't know how. <laughs> uh, totally inexperienced. <laughs> and uh, that's right. Oh, and you're doing something that you don't approve of. So you're willing to do this for somebody like me, obviously a scumbag with no morals. So uh, I should be impressed with your saintliness, you know, <laughs> statue I'll build in your honor and, and pay premium for your soul. Is that how you that, that calculated this out? And he, he sort of understood, but not quite, you know, he, he couldn't quite work it out. Um, I, I had to point out that uh, for I don't know, less than 5%, a 20th of what I was paying, there were people that would kill their own mothers for that, that, that I knew. It's not, um, certainly not hard to find, but, uh, you know, I, do, you, do you think he, from what I've described of him, do either of you think he would have made a good career or not good career? No. Like, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> no. And I think we know why, because somebody uh, like that, I mean, the people who lived in fantasy, they just walked on through. They didn't. A guy like that is not going to be happy enough just walking through. He will want to confront the customs people in some way. Yeah. Maybe not consciously, but some part of him will want to get in front of their face just to kind of say, I'm doing this. I'm St. Peter and I'm walking through with something, you know, you're trying to stop. Uh, yeah, yeah, people with uh, high morals, <laughs> uh, you, you don't want them, but not for the reasons you think. Uh, it's simply that those with high morals want everybody to know they've got high morals. <laughs> uh, it became, so I, I learned a lot in a fairly short space of time yeah. about, um, and it was, you know, I, it was a bunch of hippies as we started out. We didn't even really, we used to import um, Thai weed in, in what they used to call Buddhist sticks in those days. And 
uh, it wasn't a really great quality compared to the stuff now. But, mm. you know, we were kind of uh, hesitant about putting even 10% on top of it because the idea was that, you know, drugs should be legal and, and you, you open it up. But it, it yeah. doesn't you know, find fairly quickly that you have to get, if you're not organized, it's dangerous for people. So you have to be very thoughtful about what you're doing. Um, and and that was really the, the the thing that drew me in. I was kind of arrogant little prick at, at 20. And if somebody said no, mm-hmm. I have to think, no, well, wait a minute. Let's not get hasty here. You say no, but I can think of a way, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that was the enjoyable part. Um, I always felt a bit depressed after a job was over. Hmm. And I never really wanted to give the stuff away. I, I remember having some uh, cocaine that I got um, before they ran out of the good chemicals a few years ago. There, It was nice, beautiful, shiny, white, like pearls. And I looked at it before handing it on. Uh, it was like getting rid of a child. You know, I'd taken so much care <laughs> this yeah. thing. And, and made it a little bed so it could travel and <laughs> done all of this and had to apologize to it. And said, look, you, uh, it's time for us to leave now. I must say, you're not going to be treated well. Uh, you'll be squashed and bad things will be mixed with you. Oh, kind of things you, you don't want to be next to. And, and, and people will act stupidly when, when they have you in any way. Uh, no, it's, it's not going to... It's almost like I felt like interviewing somebody before they could buy it. Yeah. Uh, and if they, if I didn't approve of what they had in mind, then oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so it was kind of like an addiction. Oh, doing the jobs. Yeah. Yeah, it was very... And, and because after I started to make some money, I could make them even more complicated. Yeah. Um, and... The thing was that whoever was carrying, you had to make, uh, when that person arrived, as though they came from somewhere else. And that involved lots of, uh, they didn't have a very, look, when you travel now, it's, it's really destroyed um, you know, smuggling by air. Uh, anybody with any sense uses the ships because they can do what they want. But um, there are exceptions, but they're pretty rare. I mean, the the Colombians are uh, very inventive (laughs) at finding ways to uh, mix it in. They, uh, lots of times, you know, I'd been in the business 20 years, and some guys from Peru sent me something, and I knew it was there, but I couldn't find it. Uh, it was a box of a little leather change purses, pouches, like you put coins in it and something. Yeah. So I thought, all oh, right, yeah, straightforward. It's in, in the lining, you know, and that's no big deal. That's not very good. That's dangerous. So I cut one over, nothing. Yeah. Uh, it had a, a steel button clip, like uh, on the top of a pair of Levi's. But I looked at that, and that was sort of solid, and you couldn't get much. So um, I said to my girl at the time, look, I'm not going to give up because I know it's there, 
and I don't want somebody to tell me, but it, it, I finally, absolutely, piece by piece, took them apart. And it was under the little press button thing, but they'd taken so much trouble. There was, I don't know what would have been in there, gram and a half, something, maybe two tops, three. But the way they made it, it, though it was metal, when you peeled it up, it looked like thin metal, but it was concealing a thicker metal underneath. I mean, they'd taken a lot of trouble with that. So, but the real trick with the um, careers is to, uh, apart from choosing the right person, is to manufacture their journey so it looks like from somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, that, because, you know, not many people are, um, there's a lot of passengers and not many checkers. Now, they go on what the computer tells them about that person or, or where they've come from. But if you can mix them into a transit lounge and then they go from there, either on a different passport or identity uh, and swap through, then unless something very unusual uh, and they appear... I don't know. If you landed in Mexico City and you'd come from Washington, D.C., there'd be very little reason for uh, the Mexican authorities to decide to look at what you've got. Yeah. Uh, it would be smuggling. Smuggling what? You know, there's not, I don't know. I mean, in the black market, is there anything that's smuggled from west down to the south? I don't think there is, is there? I don't know. Mm. Maybe. Uh, I, I think I do know. I think it's mostly guns and guns oh, right. as everything. But yeah, mostly guns. Yeah, maybe a bit of. Um, I mean, years ago, some of the drugs that were hard to make uh, properly. I mean, yeah, uh, like ecstasy is very MDMA is is quite a a big bit of chemistry to do that properly. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Because the, the market seems to take anything, so the, it's really not. Uh, I think a lot of ecstasy now is uh, mostly speed with yeah. uh, other things in there, so it's it's, it's kind of rubbish. It's not much pride in the uh, underworld over the chemist, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I. But anyway, I think it'd be unusual if somebody got stopped doing that journey. So so that would be uh, the way. Yeah. To, and uh, I mean, you were talking about your friend a bit, a bit of back and, you know, with kind of that, that perception of uh, criminals in, in the wider sense of how it's something bad. I think, mm. <laughs> I think both of us can say that we, you, you see that as, you know, this, the established kind of train of thought, criminal good, uh, cop good, mm. uh, I mean, criminal bad and cop good it, in your experience, do you like feel that that's mis that's misportrayed it's not the way it really is well uh, certainly uh, i've been asked and this will lead to your question some people have said but you know when you decided to retire did they let you i thought oh they but <laughs> <laughs> oh, um the you work with whoever you like to work with. Nobody can make you work with somebody you don't want to work with. Yeah. You're not going to do a very good job with a... Uh, well, you might do a good job with a gun at your head, but that gun has to be actually... You've got to feel it in your head before <laughs> not let loose running around. Um, and, um, of course, something 
where you have to use a lot of care and thought and um, operational planning is something that can't be done under force. But there's a very easy way to... Look. Firstly, all of the people I've ever met uh, um, were um, just like anybody else. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know, in a different set of circumstances, it's possible that either of you guys could have been ended up very close to uh, the underworld or involved in something. Like if you had a father who was involved in it. Now, that father would just be... People, though, sometimes become a cartoon character. Mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood will write good guys and villains in a very um, straightforward way. And even when they mix over, like the the good cop has to do something bad to... Uh, and it, and they like to have the good cop do something bad because it makes good drama. But all of the, the things in there are really for dramatic purposes. Yeah. So, it, I mean, they, Hollywood must have been so happy that um, drugs were outlawed because it opened up a lot of possibilities for... Uh, um, making good television and movies. Um, I, I spoke to a um, dress designer or clothing um, costumer on uh, Miami Vice, and she said, "She said, no, it's it's good. Well, we're a bit stuck with the lead characters. We have to dress them in a certain way, and you'll notice in any TV show, for some reason, they're always yeah. wearing the same clothes." Well, I mean, that, I mean literally exactly the same clothes week after week so uh sunny and tubs or whatever the names were in miami vice were always wearing you know he was wearing t-shirts and whatnot um but the, the, she said no but the bad guys we we have a uh, we have a fun job there we can kind of dress them as wild as possible you know? yeah but um not many the most successful crooks i ever met um always dressed down not uh, you know, overdressed people who are too flashy or excessive they're, they're walking out with a target on their backs they're not going to last too long you know, they're a guy that when I was a, in my teenage years that really taught me how to survive he was so so uh, quiet about things he went out to work every day he didn't do any work but he did his thing but <laughs> He got dressed for it in his working man's overalls and uh, uh, and Rocky, his name was. Uh, and I'd know when he just had a big shipment in because I'd come across somebody. Have you seen Rocky around? I haven't oh, yeah, I saw him just this week. The guy must be going bad. Why's that? Well, I was at a gas station and he asked me for $20 to fill up a tank. And he was embarrassed about it, but he was a bit short and he said he'd pay. You know what I thought to myself? Rocky, you bastard, you've just got to load in. You're caked. You've got money up to your neck. That's why you've gone to all the trouble of telling people around town and acting embarrassed about it. That was a nice touch. <laughs> and borrowing money. Nobody will suspect this. So... <laughs> Uh, so I'd ring him up, you know, and 
I knew it was him because there'd be no answer on the other end of the phone. He just would, I mean, some people talk cautiously, you know, careful what they say, or use coded words, but that's very dangerous. I mean, it's very easy to get a policeman into court saying, well, I know that is, that the word uh, paint is code for cocaine. It always has been, they, they talk like that. So <laughs> he just said nothing. And um, this would be, Say you're going up to Rocky and he's just had a load in. Mm-hmm. And can you go out and say, hey, listen, Rock, uh, I'll take a few kilos of that, uh, you know, wish it's come in. I could use that. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky would say, uh, yeah, oh, Dave, you, look, you couldn't lend me a few hundred. To, uh, Rocky, spare me. I'm not believing it. No, no. Save it. <laughs> I need some of that. Oh, no, mate. Uh, look, I've been out of it. I, you know, I'm so hot. Police are watching me all the time. Are they? Are they? But you met me today, even so. Well, you know, uh, we go way back. So what about it? No, no. Look, I honestly, I haven't got anything. But I know some people. Oh, yes, you do. You know some people. <laughs> yeah, where are they? Oh, you have to go there. You have to go here. <laughs> you have to wear a funny hat. You have to climb mountains. And, and then what happens when I get there? Well, I tell you, well, you don't want to do that, Dave, because, why? Because it's so damn expensive. I laughed. I laughed, said Rocky, when I heard that. No, it's too much. But it's very good. Very, very good. But it's too expensive, so I won't even bother. I won't waste you. I won't insult you by arranging that. So you'd have to go through this, you know, dramatic comedy for an hour as he denied and, and said it, it wasn't his, it was people he knew, and it, it, it was so, it cost him money. It was very good, very good stuff. I'm told, I'm told it's very fucking good. That expensive. <laughs> and, uh, but this was professionalism about it, you know. Um, yeah. So, Mike, speaking of that, the, um, that great courier I had that uh, dressed like a tennis pro, and uh, he, oh, he was a record producer the next time after that. That's why he had to rent a Maserati from uh, my Amex card. <laughs> I switched to Visa after that because you know, it's not unlimited. <laughs> um, he, uh, everything fell to pieces when I was under investigation by a long running task force and they spent a lot of money and I was still, pretty young, about 23, and I asked my lawyer, he said, get out of town, how big is it? I said, it's big. How do you know? Because these police wouldn't even work in the police office. They got special offices uh, where they went. Um, He said, look, they spent a lot of money. They're not going to just let that go. They will arrest you and they'll make a case, even if there isn't one. Yeah, so let them try. Anyway, like an idiot. And they did all of that, um, and it was a terrible arrest because there were no drugs found, so the case gets a real fight. Uh, my whole family was arrested. Uh, uh, I mean, they had to let my mother go in there. This was just to put pressure on me. My wife yeah. was arrested. My business partner's wife was arrested. Um, and they ended up being killed in prison. Uh, they put an informer in with the girls in their um, dormitory in their rooms, and uh, this informer, unfortunately, was an arsonist and set fire to the place, so they died. Wow. So it was bleak for, for there. But um, getting back to my point, 
um, because the it was good for the police because they were able to um, frighten the couriers by saying things like, well, you know, they don't care about you. They uh, had their own wives killed just to, I mean, you know. So a lot of those couriers ended up in the court case taking indemnities against any prosecution. They couldn't be touched uh, for giving evidence. They didn't see anything. But here I'll get to the, the point about the, you know, what goes through the mind of people. Here I had that courier, Peter, who was very good at assuming <clears throat> a new identity. But in a crazy way, it worked in my favor in court because after six months with the police, yeah. he wasn't himself any longer. He was he was a Miami Vice character again. <laughs> he was sunny. You know, he had a little walk, you know, a bit of a <laughs> bit of a John Wayne going on there. And uh, and his manner in, in, in court was so strange, it was kind of like Oh, well, uh, well, we, uh, that is um, Joe and Freddie, he's talking about policemen here, so they're old friends or something. Uh, oh, these drug guys are very slick. You know, I mean, they hide everything they do. They have their product and, you know, they do their thing. But we can get right on them. And my lawyer had to say, well, you were a courier. Oh, yeah, then. But, huh, yeah, sure I was. But that got me inside. That got me right inside. Uh, and the jury couldn't, I mean, they couldn't quite take this in. Uh, and another one who was a real criminal, I mean, slick, underhanded rat, he um, he got us more or less arrested by um, a Thai businessman who was coming over to see him, giving him stuff. And the police steamed in and caught him with a bit. And he said, Look, there's no deal you can make that will get you out of this. He was another Peter. Watch the Pedros. <laughs> um, he, uh, he said, look, I can give you Macmillan Sullivan. That's our last name. So he went to my business partner, Michael, and said, look, um, I've got a guy who brings it in, sells it for a quarter of the price. You can buy him from me and take him. But don't tell anybody, especially David. <laughs> now, silly Michael, uh, taking people at face value. Look, somebody comes to you. Uh, you know some guy who's been a, uh, a bit of a diver and a ducker, and he comes to you and says, "Look, I've got this guy. He comes from uh, <clears throat> he comes from Argentina, but he's a, he's very good at his job. But uh, I don't want him anymore. Uh, you know, I'm going to have a different sort of life. Uh, if you give me a hundred thousand, you can have him. I'll make the introduction. He can come to you." Yeah. Now, what would you think about that? Even if you want, even if you were in that business, how would you take that? Think, oh, seems, hey, thank you. <laughs> seems a bit sketchy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, later on, after we all got arrested, I said, uh, "All right, Michael, I know who it was uh, now. Now it was uh, Peter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. He brought this guy. Yeah, yeah. okay." Now, Michael, tell me if I'm wrong here, but didn't you think there was something slightly mad about uh, a guy coming to you and saying, um, look, this guy comes every over uh, every month and he brings me something that makes me a load of money. I don't want it anymore. I don't like money. Money, oh, it's a terrible thing. You can have him. 
Oh, yeah. And you can have them at good rates. I'm asking only 100 grand, which is like not enough. You know, he, he should have pushed it a bit more to make me. <laughs> and don't tell David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because David won't like it anymore. <laughs> and sure enough, this guy was red hot. Where even after the first meeting, there were police all over him. So um, um, there was kind of no way out. Um, we managed to get something from him, but only after doing a lot of slippery moves with uh, hiding cars and changing radio frequencies and all of that. Um, but uh, he got himself immunity from prosecution, the one who sold him to us. And the jury were a bit funny about him, too, because his lawyer had said, when you go into court, Pete, you clean the books. What? Yeah. Everything you've ever done, admit to it because they can never prosecute you because that's part of the deal. Anything you say in that courtroom. So even if it's got nothing to do with the case. So he stood there for an hour and a half admitting to every possible crime known to man. And the jury even stopped it and asked the judge, what? This man, is he serving a long sentence or something? <laughs> uh, no, no, it, it, he's, well, there's an arrangement, whereas he testifies and, and he's, <laughs> what? He can go free. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and they kind of tore it up. I mean, this jury went, um, they became creatures of their own. The trial ran six months, 119 witnesses, 6,000 pages of transcript. Um, they had a whole lot of tapes where they bugged the houses, but they, they couldn't use those. Um, not because of the law, it's because when we found them, we used to sit around the table at night reading from scripts. You know. Uh, Rodrigo. Yes, Dave? I tell you what, I, I, I'm glad I've got nothing to do with that business anymore. What business? Oh, well, you're another one. <laughs> right, yeah. It was a dirty business. I'm glad I really never got too close to it. You know, I tell people. The police later on said to me, that was a load of shit, that wasn't it? <laughs> so they couldn't use that. But this jury kind of got to know us. Um, and I spoke for three days on the stand, and the judge didn't like you know, me making speeches and whatnot. Um, but I had to, you know, a long trial, they, they don't hear from you. Um, so you've got to use that opportunity to let them feel, look, this is a human being that you might meet anywhere that yeah. you're about to send away. So um, they, they were, uh, we, we, they used to lead the jury in before the judge arrived. So uh, <clears throat> we'd tell them jokes. <laughs> and, and we used to sing a cappella songs. Uh, I don't know whether you remember the Nylons. They used to be an a cappella band. And uh, one of their hits was, I'm not that kind of guy. So we, we'd tap along in the courtroom and get a bit of rhythm going and you know sing to them. Judge found about it and they stopped it, of course. But <laughs> they, they went out and came back the next day and said, sorry, we, 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 we can't agree. Uh, look, said the judge, you go out there and you try a bit harder. This uh, A lot of people gone to a lot of trouble for this uh, trial. It's, uh, and it cost a lot of money. So they went out and they just didn't come back. The only time they came back was some money had come from my office, about a hundred grand, and they wanted to see that for some reason. Uh, the, the judge didn't really like the idea of the jury getting that in their hands. Yeah. Um, and 
um, the police had brought in some drugs as an example of what drugs look like. I don't know why that, and they wanted that too. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to join together drinking straws just to get enough over onto that exhibit table. So uh, days passed, days passed. The judge said, uh, um, "Hey, you getting anywhere, jury?" Well, yeah, sort of getting there. They came back in. We thought they'd made a decision after six days, but it wasn't. They were just saying, look, we don't want to work tomorrow, but you can't go home. You're, you're deliberate. Yeah, I know. No. We want a picnic. So they had to organize a bus and it was a Sunday and they went into the countryside and they all had Chinese food or something like that. So it wasn't a surprise that I was found not guilty of uh, almost all of those. But there was one that was a bit close. So they compromised, and and that was enough to give get me fifteen years. So uh, it took a bit of getting out of. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a kind of life where a lot was very much was destroyed in those um, in that early time. Um, I was twenty three when this fifteen years came. I was there for about eleven, I think. Um, and I had a little bit more for a helicopter escape, but that was, mm -hmm. um, and the only way of surviving, having everything sucked away from you, my yeah. wife was dead, everything, and it, this is not important, everything I owned was, was taken. Uh, the police had lived in my house for three weeks and burnt the paintings in the fireplace for fuel and shit in the swimming pool and, and I never even saw my clothes again and this, I was in a supermax where even the, the clothes you wore had special clips that you couldn't undo them without permission and um, they'd lock it on the top if you had a visit uh, and it was, it was so the only thing I had was I was allowed to have from my lawyer was cassette player of some of the tapes from the house and I could hear, I could play my life for six months back on these tapes. So not only was it all gone, but um, I had the strange ghost of the past that was coming yeah. out of this little crappy cassette machine. So after a decade of that, the line was absolutely drawn. They were my enemy. That was without question, and and my only job was to um, survive. They didn't leave me alone, of course. They came back. I mean, they were in, uh, rented a, an apartment. They were there. Um, so I uh, I decided to go back to work, and, and then I had about only three days of real freedom. I got another passport very carefully. And the second one on top of that, and ended up in Thailand. Um, and just for those three days, I could uh, smell freedom, had a sense of it. You know, I was kind of floating on air. But uh, the USDA would uh, found a way of intercepting some phone calls up north, and an old business associate there, uh, he. Uh, he stupidly told a friend of his where I was staying, and, and I, I found myself arrested in that. Then 
as you know, I got out of that when things went badly there, and then I ended up in Pakistan and I was tortured in Karachi, which is, you know, you always ask yourself stupid questions like, I wonder if I could survive that or how would I cope with that? And we'll, yeah. Don't ask yourself that kind of question. You know? <laughs> Fate will uh, give you the um, And then getting out of uh, Pakistan was uh, different. I mean, you know, all all the court cases in Pakistan and India are conducted in English because it's one of the 10 official languages that mm-hmm. passed on from the old days of the British. So they, they kept that for the courts. Uh, and then it was really only where well, I just didn't have the energy for it anymore. And you know, the Berlin Wall had come down. Uh, nothing was... We had kind of ideas about how the world was going to transform, and it never did. Um, you know, and don't you think it's astonishing now how uh, everything that looked, uh, well, at my age, everything that looked like it was heading somewhere better fell back. You had kind of Trump politics. I mean, the guy was a clown, yeah. but... It, Matter. And in, in the United States, Roe versus Wade, the abortion law is being challenged quite seriously and overturned. And there's some drug law reform, but there's also a backlash the other way. Um, yeah. And it's because it doesn't win you any votes, um, changing drug law. No, nobody ever got elected because they said yeah. they were going to change the drug laws. Oh, and there's no money in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't... If you have to beat the black market, that means you can't tax recreational drugs in the same yeah. way. Not immediately. You can sneak up on it. But in the beginning, you've got to undercut booze and cigarettes. And they won't be happy about that. They'll say, why have they got faith? Well, why has the uh, cocaine or heroin industry got uh, cut rates compared to what we pay in taxes? They didn't have a point. So... Uh, those things won't change and, and attitudes won't either. Look, if I've always said this, if peanuts were made against the law, everybody would laugh at it. That's stupid. Why did that happen? I don't know. Somebody choked on one. Oh, no, no. Anyway, but you would find after 20 years of this law being in place, it would be enforced. Policemen being what they are, it's an opportunity yeah. uh, for corruption. It's a. Uh, you can imagine a father in 20 years of you know, nut wars and <laughs> you know, macadamia kingpins, uh, and pistachio, yeah. all of that. Uh, some father talking to his kid, you know, his teenage son, saying, oh, look, I, I understand, son, but, you know, and lots of people say there's nothing wrong with having a few peanuts, but you look at those peanut dealers driving around in their fancy cars with their gold and guns and everything. It wouldn't take much for it to be utterly accepted in the world, and it doesn't. So you get to kind of an age when uh, you, you don't want to be part uh, of that fight. Yeah. I, I suppose for, for every... One of the um, um, readers of uh, the books or, or, or viewers who wish me dead or that I should have been executed, and there's quite a few of those. Hi, guys. Lovely <laughs> work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I had been dead, then, of course, I wouldn't be able to 
um, tell of some quite interesting and useful things that mm -hmm. that have a result. Yeah. Um, so did now that you look back, uh, you know, after being uh, through all that, all those different experiences, and you know, really meeting a lot of people and kind of you know your whole life was survival to a certain extent uh do you have any regrets on it it's a hard trade-off to make i always thought that i would have been happiest being a, a technician or working in the sciences you know because that's discovery of something that's unknown how it works is, is always really interesting and nature holds so many fascinating secrets yeah um everything from the way proteins fold and and you look that so much of uh, of nature is just the shape of things um and and what makes a shape anyway where does a grain of sand finish and and the air take over and and okay you've got to be a little bit better at maths for this but i think i would have had a happier life anyway but on the other hand there's some things that i've come to know um that i just don't think i would have learnt in any other way hmm. um and you, i become very or well, became years ago you know people always think in 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 the contraband business that everybody's ruthless but the fact is if you've been cheated the odds are you were expecting that you knew that person was likely to cheat you so if you walked in there you deserve what you get and oddly enough i think it does somebody good every so often to be cleaned out by some cheat you know because it, <laughs> so it wakes you up to think well wait 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 a minute you know I, I shouldn't stumble around like an idiot here or um and um and people have asked me, well, didn't you take vengeance on those who, you know, that the were in a position to do so? Uh, of course not, because I, uh, it was my fault. I, I, I blame myself for my wife's death all along, always have. I, I can't, I can point the finger at various people who behave badly mm -hmm. or did the wrong thing, but she wouldn't have been in that position if it wasn't for me at all anyway. So, um, and, and also even people who, I, I came across a guy while I was in the Thai prison, he was conning me, I knew it, he was from Boston, and he was promising he'd, he knew Thailand so well, he did speak Thai very well, he could get me out on bail, he could do this, and, and money was going over to him and all of that. Yeah. So I got out my own way, I gave myself a full pardon, and when I caught up with him, he... Um, he was a bit hesitant. I said, look, Dean, you've nothing to worry about. In fact, I thank you in a way, because I was at a very low, low ebb at that time. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to kill myself, but it's not really possible to do that in a Thai jail. It's kind of the privacy. Um, you, yeah. There's nothing to jump off. And even my early thoughts of escape were just to get out over the wall and go to a tall building and throw myself off that one. I just didn't uh, see, you know, if I couldn't win, even if I'd taken the best precautions, what would be the point? But uh, it was he, in a way, he, he gave me false hope, and he was conning me, but 
it was the thing I needed in a way, just at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I don't think I would have ever known that um, or lived enough to have taken that attitude yeah. uh, if I hadn't been through some of these things. Um, I remember being in a one of the Karachi prisons and some guy's being beaten down there because his family's got money and they want to get it. it. The five of us in this cell, you know, we, we had nothing. Some of us, they used to handcuff you in uncomfortable positions to just give you a hard time. And our real job for the day was to find a match for the one cigarette that we had left. <laughs> and the the hunt for that match went on for all day, you know, anybody who was passing, you know. <laughs> one guy even got himself beat up just trying to get a match. <laughs> the guard got annoyed with him, dragged him out of the cell, battered the hell out of him. And I get back in there and shut up. Oh yeah, all right, boss. All right, boss. You've got a light, have you? <laughs> I, I, I head after that kid. You know, <laughs> this is somebody who who go the extra mile for any reason. Um, there, there's so many things that, um, and, and the 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 comedy of the underworld. The, when I say the comedy, the ridiculousness of it sometimes. I was in. I came down to a beach in um, near Kota Buru in Malaysia. Um, there was blood all over the place. There were five smugglers dead. There was two cops taken off to hospital. It was carnage. A shipment was coming in. Now, all of that shooting and that death and the, the, the clash between these two sides, do you know what that was over, what they were smuggling? You couldn't guess. It was garlic. Yeah, the, okay. the Malaysian government had decided to protect local garlic farmers by putting a 400% duty and surcharge on top of the, uh, any imports. <laughs> so overnight, it became a highly profitable thing to bring in garlic from Thailand. And they couldn't stop them, so they got serious and they started shooting them. And it was a perfect demonstration of how, you know, what not to do. Uh, that it doesn't make any difference. Yet, uh, we human beings just repeat mistakes time and time again. Yeah. Even the, and a lot of things are code for, we're not going to do anything, but we'll pretend like sanctions against Russia. Uh, uh, the only effect of that is to uh, put a lot of people out of work, but also it's um, been a great advantage to the Russians so far. They've had to put capital controls in so money doesn't leave the country. Um, Local businesses have been just starting to make a lot of things that were previously imported. They don't lose foreign exchange because uh, the money doesn't go out to pay for foreign goods. So all in all, it's it's certainly having no effect on what are they going to do? Who's going to overturn you know, ruthless leaders by saying, oh, you know, I can't get a McDonald's anymore. So, uh, you're out. Get out of the Kremlin, you bastard. <laughs> well, why, when, when you get to a certain age and you see the same lies told and told and told again, it's very hard to take anything seriously. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, listen, I've got to ask where, because time's running out in a way a bit. Um, in... 20 years when you 
pushing up against the wall of uh, 40, say, uh, how do you imagine the world to be? Exactly the same, different good, different bad? Man, do you yeah, want to start it, off? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a tough one uh, because I have two mentalities when it comes to the future. Like the the world that I hope it will be, and the one I kind of know it would be, and the, I mean, with the whole climate change uh, destroying the planet and the world becoming. But slowly, we got plenty of time. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not that slow now. Oh, I know. But I mean, it's, you know <laughs> probably worse. Than I mean, it. yeah. I mean, the the thing about climate change is that it won't kill humanity off like no matter what like civilization is way too strong to pull off that it's just it would be so uncomfortable and just not a great place to live in uh i mean i just hope it's better than it is today i mean you can't go that bad anymore no uh i mean let's hope uh, this is the last big pandemic we live through. Well, That's, Bill Gates doesn't yeah. seem to think it'll be the last one, but uh, certainly we're better prepared for. Uh, yeah, comes along. Uh, let's hope for that at the very least. Uh, but personally, like I just see myself uh, still learning, trying to travel uh, across the world because, I mean, life is pretty short. I, I know, like I'm like way too young to be saying that. No, but, but you're correct. You're not wrong about it. It's nature's cruel and only gives us until about, I don't know, 50 years old and starting to go downhill. Yeah, I mean, like just a year ago, like we started this podcast and it feels like we did it like last week. We're graduating <laughs> high school. That's a big milestone. Yeah. So I've been told. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, just a lot of stuff, a lot of variables are mixed in with how the future will be shaped. But I just hope that like we can help for it to become a better world than it is right now. Okay, and uh, Rodrigo, how do you see it in 20 years time? Um, I, I think the, the, the world in 20 years, um, you know, through this podcast, it, it's also helped me shape that vision a bit. Because, you know, you talk to a lot of people who are like working and trying to improve things for communities and stuff um, and also different perspectives. So it, it opens up your your lens a bit. And I think it's kind of made me realize that there's so many people trying to change things for the good. Um, however, it, it's not really, you know, it doesn't really fall on the 99 percentile of people, the the future and what it holds. It, it really just falls on the 1% with all the money and power to make these decisions. Um, so honestly, I don't, I don't feel that the next 20 years are going to be very optimistic in that sense. <laughs> uh, do you imagine a world where, uh, when human lifespans are extended? Uh, oh, let's you, hope. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, I suppose um, we can live to about 130 without um, it just by ordinary means of uh, stopping disease. Uh, but to uh, it's it's 
you know, the way science is, sooner or later. And we'll know because if it happens sooner, Elon Musk will live forever, I suppose. <laughs> He'd do what, I mean, those guys are spending a lot of money on some pretty crazy ideas for extending lifespan. Yeah. But uh, I, I suppose, what will we do for entertainment? If you had to live, had to live, if you lived for 500 years, how would you entertain yourself? Oh, me. That, that's a question I surely can answer because uh, that's basically what I want to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like this almost sci-fi field of science, like the, just genetic engineering in general. Yeah. On where you can modify the genes of a human being to become mm -hmm. a better version physiologically that they would ever be. And I don't know, like ever since I started to play with the idea of, oh, it would be so cool to uh, live forever. Mm. Uh, I don't know, like e every time I, I mention that, I get a lot of pushback of, oh, what would you do if you live a thousand years? It's like, there's so much to humanity. Mm. Like, there's so much to learn, so much to travel, so much to explore that you couldn't in a million lifetimes. So it's just like this step forward. I think it's just that humanity has come to be very comfortable with the thought of death since yeah. it's a universal constant for every living being. It's just a thing that happens. If you live, you will eventually die. There's no two ways about it. But mm. if, if we change that, if we change that perception of life, I, I would think we'll become a better human race overall i would imagine talking to somebody uh, who was looked like uh, in his 30s but was in fact 400 years old and had been alive for that long that person would be worth listening to i would think yeah a very yeah. relaxed person because if he hadn't abandoned hope he would have found a way to to live I suspect that what people will do for entertainment is um, play the game of a kind of immersive virtual reality and um, live other lives, uh, created lives just, you know, by the neurons being stimulated in a systematic way to give the illusion of being in the days of the Roman Empire or the Middle Ages or... or 1930s Chicago, wherever it is. But uh, I think when people live for a long, long time, so many of, don't you think that that would be an improvement that the ridiculous things that cause people problems will be dismissed by people who live for hundreds of years? Well, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I mean, it would really change the perspective of a human life. Like 40 years, like right now, at the very least to me, that seems like a lot. That's like almost half a lifetime of a human being. But if we start to live even more, 40 years, we'll, oh, that time I took just a weekend off. Just that that perception of time will so greatly change mm. to, to suit our new lifetimes that I don't know. I think it would be an opportunity for human beings to start to be more useful with their time. Ironically, right? Since we have 
so all the time in the time. world. <laughs> yeah, because I think right now humans have so little time. Ah. We spend most of the time doing things we don't want to do. Exactly. Like people just want need to work to get money to be less unhappy to have the things they want. Just like most of that time. Would be and we complicate things to make yeah. them more time consuming as though we're enjoying it. Mm. Like instead of making a cup of coffee by keeping one going 24 hours and pouring a cup. No, coffee is quite a complicated thing. What's happened to the beans? <clears throat> How they've been crushed? It's got to be in a certain kind of cup, warmed, of course, not just straight out of the thing. And then make elaborate Japanese tea ceremonies out of ordinary things to to make the moments more special than they are. But I would think if you, all right, then this really swings on to that other point. Um, if it's uh, if it's kind of likely that um, people will get more out of their own lives, but also be able to live in um, uh, simulations that are entertaining. And perhaps if you're going to live forever, you, you could even make it almost like your whole life. What seems like a whole lifetime is that simulation. And yet there are, we know that the universe is so huge, unimaginably huge, and the odds of finding Earth-like planets are not so rare, that there are other intelligent civilizations out there. And if they're si living simulations, then, well, statistically, we're more likely to be living one now. <laughs> or that is, uh, we are part of Rodrigo's simulation, you see. We're, we've been written into the program for his amusement. <laughs> you could take it a, as, a, as a selfish way. Well, it's good that that sounds kind of a, a, a relatively optimistic way of looking at the future, I think. And I'll tell you what we should do. Here we are in... Uh, May of 2022, survived the pandemic and going on. Wherever you are, uh, send me an email in a year's time and um, we'll see what panned out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds like a plan. Yeah, yeah let, let, let's set a specific date. All right. Yes. Well, it's, it's 17th of May today. So let's make it the 17th of May in 12 months' time. And okay. um, we'll be back on the air. Oh, I, you know, I, I won't look any more collapsed and at death's door than I am now. So, you know, you guys will be going ahead. And like some old vampire, I can, just from what you tell me, I can get dripped on and, and survive with the stories of hope of the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's been fun the last hour and a half. So, uh, I, um, uh, all of the crickets fans out there, good to uh, hear from you, and we'll be back here in a year. And I'll, uh, what I'm going to do is this, I think, called we transfer. I'll, I'll send you this entire recording so you can do Perfect. what you like with it. Oh, thanks. Thank and, uh, Thank you so much. Whatever use you may wish to. And uh, I, I must go now because I can hear my little pet dogs destroying each other. It's probably. <laughs> Feeding on the carcass of my friends. <laughs> okay, guys, all the best, and let's look to living a long time, shall we? Thank you so yeah, much, David. Thank you. Okay, it's been a pleasure. wonderful time. 
I'm just trying to click my way out. I'm stuck. <laughs>